Now, being a lender has its challenges too, right? So we're doing three, four, 17 pre-approvals a weekend, and they happen to be for the same house. <laughs> that sucks because because you can't a say hey listen I just did a pre-approval for another guy and tell him that or don't write on this because my pre-approval I just did offered more um, so we're doing you know three four times the amount of work for the same property and the probability of everybody getting the property is zero and the probability of one person getting it's probably five Welcome to another episode of The Think Pod. My name is Jared Dykus. Just wanted to let you guys know about an event that we are doing May 17th and May 18th here in Millersville, Maryland. If you cannot make it to Millersville, Maryland, we are doing this event virtually, and this virtual event and in person is called Quantum Leap, which is basically Gary Keller's autobiography of how he built a billion-dollar empire, and this class will be taught by none other than John Newman, the godfather of real estate. This is an event that you do not want to miss out on. Forget about listings for a second. Forget about buyers for a second or inbound leads. This is going to allow you to look within yourself, your business, and how you can get to the next level using the systems, tools, and models that Gary Keller has already laid out for the real estate industry. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the ThinkPod. Uh, where thoughts have no limits. My name is Jared Dykus. Today we have with us a very special person inside of our community, someone who supports our network, our company, um, and our vision more than arguably anyone, Kindle Quinones. And I know I didn't say that last name right. I've been trying to get it right literally since I talked to Shaq this morning at the gym. I was like, how do you say the last name? So can we get a, a nice uh, pronunciation of that last name? Quinones. Quinones? Quinones. Okay. Quinones. Quinones. Yeah. Shaq didn't uh, pronunciate it. Or you I, could do Quinones. Quinones. But that's the Spanish versions, Quinones. It's fitting for uh, Cinco de Mayo today, right? See. Si. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, about all you get on the Spanish speaking. <laughs> ex- really? You, yeah. you don't speak any Spanish? I do, but not for work. Not for work? Yeah. I don't it's, know. I'm just not comfortable with it because, you know, you've got to speak financing if you get something wrong. True that. True right. that. So. And I'm excited to obviously get into, you know, everything that you, you do uh, now currently. But I was kind of curious, um, you know, first off, for those who don't know who you are, what is it that you currently do inside of the mortgage business? And I'm curious about your day to day. But before we get there, you know, what did life look like before this for you? So I was, uh, I came right out of college into the mortgage industry. Really? So yeah, I, um, I have a crim degree and an English degree from Maryland and I was going to go into the FBI. Wow. I was 18 days away from going down to, to Quantico and the towers fell down. So I had a long look in the mirror and I said, I don't want to go. And, um, I was married 15 days after I graduated college. So I was like, you know, I got to figure something out. So I was bartending for a bit. Wow. And with $60,000 worth of education, just bartending, my parents were like, you got to go do something. So um, I ended up taking a mortgage job in November of 2001, just thinking I was going to sail through until I figured out what I wanted to do. And uh, here we are. It's 2022, and this is what I'm still doing. What did that first mortgage job look like? So it was kind of difficult because these days we have so much you know, knowledge at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that back then. So it was, you know, you had to grind and you had to go like to offices daily, cold call daily, 
um, rejection was very high because I was young. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about a mortgage. I just kind of was relentless. Um, I played lacrosse at Maryland, so I was a Division One lacrosse player. So you played lacrosse at Maryland? I did. Damn. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I was just one of those people that you know I was very competitive. I still am, mm-hmm. um, and I just wanted to see if I could I could do it. And by April of two thousand two, I cried myself to sleep. <laughs> I hated the job. I absolutely hated it. And I was going to figure out where I was going to go, but my mentality, I don't quit anything until I know I can do it. And then once I do it, then I can decide whether or not I want to walk away from it. And I hadn't given myself or the job enough time. And how much time was that at that point where you were maybe thinking about giving up? About six months. Okay. So only six months. Yeah. November into April. Yeah. So um, I remember sitting in the lunchroom and this dear lady who still works at the other job I was at, she was like, you know... If you don't like it, just leave. And I'm like, it's not, that's not my mentality. I have to make sure I can do it because um, I don't quit. And so I just decided to go and see if I could do it. And my first year, I did $9 million. My second year, I did $16 million. My third year, I did $32 million. And it grows from there. So. And that was purchase business, right? Purchase business. Wow. Because yeah. when I got in the business, the interest rates were at 7 and, a, seven and an eighth. So there wasn't anything, a refi boom going on. Yeah. And also, the towers had just fallen so the market was crashing and I just walked right into it not knowing anything about the financial world. Wow. Um, I'm curious, what made those six months so like, was it the phones cold calling? Was it more like just building relationships from an uncomfortable level? Yeah, I mean, there was different times where it was just, I literally had to go print flyers, go to the real estate offices, try to get past the front desk. Um, you You weren't even allowed there. No, I just kept going in. <laughs> and one guy said, yeah, come on in, bring your flyers tomorrow. So I got really excited. And I went and brought his, my, his you know, flyers in. And then he pointed me, you know, right in my face and told me to get the F out of his office the next day. And I was like, you just told me to come here. What? And so I just, I sat in my car and I cried my eyes out. And I was oh like, gosh. I hate this job. This is awful. Um, but I just, I put my head down and I just started to find relationships and I started to really kind of set the, the, my eyes on, there's a lot of real estate agents out there, mm-hmm. right? So I can select who I want to work with based upon personality. So I just started going in that direction. Um, but it took a while to get there because I was, I was really, you know, focused on anybody that had an R next to their, you know, on their business card, I was going after them because mm-hmm. I knew they were a realtor. But um, I really made relationships with the front desk people mm. just so that I could get in. Um, I was told by my boss at that time that you need to work n- nights and weekends all the time. And I said, I'm not working any weekends. I'm not doing it. He's like, yes, you are. And I was like, no, I'm not. And then I, he was right. I had to work every weekend because that was the only way I could get past the, the guard. Mm. So, and then I just found ways to get people outside of the office um, versus, you know, it's it's a lot harder now than it was back then because really? you could just sit and chat with the front desk person and ease your way through the offices. But now everybody's kind of cornered into their in-house lenders and, you know, they've got their, they've got their stipulations, which I appreciate, you mm-hmm. know, as we have our own um, relationship. But it's, it's one of those things that you just tenacity, being able to deal with the rejection, not letting it define who you are um, is really something that I kind of preach to now my generation of loan officers that I'm, I'm coaching. So, and, and Kindle, um, I would love to get some clarity on, on 
what you just said in terms of your loan officers. So mm -hmm. like, what is the structure currently now? Like, what have you built for yourself? At, at one point, I would assume it was just you as a solo loan mm -hmm. officer, mm -hmm. if that's the right terminology. And then now you have a team of other loan officers. Talk to us about your team. Like how many loan officers do you have compared to maybe administrative staff? Does it look like that? Uh, talk to us about your team. Yeah, so I'm I'm extremely proud of them. So we, I I was given you know kind of a I don't want to say phone book because I think the internet was around when I got mm -hmm. in, but um, you know I wasn't I was just given a, a cubicle and a book and said here just look it up and go. And I you know it took a long time and a lot of grind and it scared me because I was I was our you know I was I was salary up until six months and then they cut me off and I was a hundred percent commission. Oh. So I just did not like that model. And I said, I can't have somebody train for six months and then go out and it's, it's a fail forward in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So what I started when I started my company, I opened my branch um, in March of 2017. I left the company that I was with for 15 years to come over to the new company, March of, uh, excuse me, November of 16, opened my branch March of 17. Um, and it was just me and my best friend and we were working at my dining room table. And we were trying to find a place, you know, to open the branch. I got in the car with a commercial real estate agent and drove around forever. Mm -hmm. That's not pleasant. Um, found a spot and then, you know, we opened our doors and there was four of us. And now there's 14 of us. Wow. Um, yeah, so I have, I have my team. My team consists of three people. Mm -hmm. So I originate still, I touch every single file. I call every single client. Um, I did 392 units myself last year. <sighs> Um, and I, uh, I owe it all to my team. So Kendall Winkleman's on my team as well. And she's one that sat right next to the wall. I mean, I literally ponied her up right next wow. door to me and she'd get that knock if I needed her. But she, she came out of school knowing nothing about a mortgage, just like I did, mm -hmm. but she got to listen to me and she got to feel the grind and hear the grind. And I'd be like, teaching moment, let's do this teaching moment. And I wouldn't allow her to go out on the field for at least two years. Mm. So I had her, you know, kind of build up. So we just kind of take it freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year into the in, into the world because I don't want them to jump off and fall flat on their face. So she's learned a lot and she's now flying on her own, uh, still assisting me with some stuff on the team. Um, but she did 15 million last year herself. So um, so now I have, you know, my other assistant, Lindsay, she's licensed as well. So we're kind of going in that trajectory. Wow. Um, but, you know. There, make no mistake in, in thinking that I don't touch my clients because I never want to get my foot out of the game. I just enjoy that. I enjoy yeah. figuring out problems for people. With my crim background, it's kind of cool in financing. I kind of find problems and I problem solve all the time. Mm -hmm. And then with my, my college background and coaching background, something I haven't brought up yet, um, I, I don't like to lose. So I always, I always, when I get a no, I'm like, okay, well, let me go find the yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, but my team is, you know, my ops team is fantastic. I have three processors. I have an operations manager. I have an ops assist assistant manager. Um, and I, in the corporate office, um, which is in Towson, we have a mid-Atlantic division mm -hmm. within a big entity of a national company. Okay. Uh, I have I have 13 closers, 11 underwriters. So I've got everybody really locked wow. on our team. So it's really cool. Um, we've been, since I opened my doors, I've been the number one producer in the Mid-Atlantic since I've amazing. gotten there. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. And uh, But what's really cool is I'm being able to show these ladies and women to, to be able to, to, here's what I did, here's the grind, this is what it takes, this is what the activities are, you know, and, and just giving them a path to pave. 
um, so that they can get out there and be successful. And, and you know, eventually I'm just going to manage what, I, what I've built and kind of step back from the origination side. So mm. that time will come. I'm not sure when because I need to learn how to be a racehorse race owner versus a racehorse, but mm. it's in my blood. So, um, but yeah, and then aside from that, I, I call it, I, I coached at Maryland for 10 years for lacrosse for the really? club team. And then I do travel lacro- lacrosse now. So I have been doing that since I got out of college for 21 years. Wow. Um, Real quick, yeah. there's something I, I've noticed about your team, especially. It's like a lot of women, right? And it's, is it all women? Organically, it, it ended up that way. Yeah. I've had men on the team, um, and it's not that we push them out. Just that so, you know, people don't work. I've had women leave too. It's just yeah. it's just turned into it's it's, and it's kind of cool. It's we have a sisterhood that's really. I mean, you don't see that in the financial world. You know, we building them up is just super important for me and having a safe place to just talk about whatever we want to talk about and you know kind of we share our wins we share our losses we we win for each other I have a win jar in my office where we just say hey shout out and we put your name in a jar and every month we pull for a gift card so that's awesome yeah just to just to build that camaraderie because when you're in sales you know as soon as you step out on the streets it's a mess so you (laughs) might as well be supported inside as much as you can wow and and that the sisterhood thing you talked about is is awesome to to see and hear because it's like I feel like there's so many different assets or facets of like this male centric business, especially in the sales world, but more specifically, even like the lending world too, right? Like it's a very like old school way of doing things. I feel like now to see you running the way you're doing is really impressive. But my question is, what would you say to younger women who are thinking about and any advice you'd give to them coming into a business like this that is traditionally like a male centric business? First, I'd say I'd want to talk to him because I'd like to see if I have some talent to hire them. So that'd be the first thing I'd say. Um, uh, it is challenging. You know, I'm not going to be here to bash the industry because we do have a lot of male dominating, you know, finances that, you know, I actually had an, an agent um, back in 2002 say, Kendall, I love you to death and I love your family, but I'd never work with you because you're a female and females don't do financing. She told me that. And I was in the middle of my grind trying to get wow. my, my feet wet. So to answer your question, I just, you know, I'd give them that platform to say, here's what, here's what my expectations and my model looks like. And this is what the next level is going to be for you. And this is how I will train you. But my training is more like coaching. I'm not a good teacher. I'm a horrible teacher, but I'm a wonderful coach. So, and there's a big difference there. Yeah. Like I don't have the time and the, in the attention span to, to literally get broken down into, you know, like the high C's and the high S's yeah. and the disc model. I'm, I'm a high D and a high I. I just, I, it doesn't fit me. So that's why I've built those people on my staff to be able to, to, to operate that. Yeah. yeah. So I would, um, so a young woman that wanted to get into this industry, first of all, I would say anything's possible. Um, you know, we've got some top, top females in our company that I admire and I adore. And, you know, I just got ranked in the top 250 women in the United States for originating. Really? So, and when you say 250 people in the entire United yeah. States, it's pretty cool. And, you know, my, one of my assistants is like, I'm surprised it wasn't more. And I was like, well, the number one woman in America did $823 million last year. I would never want to do that much money because that means that you are constantly just burning every yeah. candle you have. And, you know, that's just not the life that I want to have. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but I just I, I for me, it's important to give them a platform, something that's safe, something that they can, you know, make mistakes, 
feed off the mistakes, build them on, you know, we're only as good as our next, last transaction, right? And my biggest thing is I, I'm not that good. I just have made so many mistakes that I have gotten mm. so much better. Absolutely. And to that point of, of getting better, first off, I didn't know that you're, you, so you guys are still hiring right now? Yes, so I'm always looking for talent. Um, I'm good on the op side because my team's solid. Like, I ha it took me years to build it, subtract it, you know, all of the things that you add and subtract to make the operations team what it needs to be. Because mm -hmm. you can play the game of Jenga and hire, you know, originators and not have a good support system and everything's going to fall. And I've watched that model happen, and that's not my model. So now that I have that baseline, I'm really, really looking to – um, have the opportunity to, to, to speak to different women that are interested in this business and how we can grow them. I'm actually looking at opening up a branch down in Florida right now as we speak wow. as well. That's so, awesome. So, um, yeah. I've, what part? I'm, we're down in um, like Sarasota, Bradenton area. So um, we're looking to expand down there as well just to, and there's, there's an office down there that already has some loan officers that I'm going to be Wow. Courting soon, so don't let me forget. I'm going to connect you to an agent down there. A couple awesome. agents. Um, one one thing that I was just thinking of is like, are you afraid of what's happening right now in the market? Not at all. I actually, uh, these kind of markets really, really keep me alive. Um, they get me jived up because I'm super competitive, like I said. And I, this market as long as well as the real estate market, as I'm sure you guys would understand, needs to be cleansed. It really does. And I think we, everybody, you know, over the past 18 months, my biggest thing is like, you've been sitting around having filet mignons fall in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Like you're just little babies just opening your mouth and it's falling in your mouth. Right now we gotta work, right? We have to shift, we have to work and it's gonna normalize, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna fall. Like, I, you know, I've been through five administrations since I've been a, a loan officer. If you think about that, there's, you know, there's been the ebb and flows of 2008. 2008, I had a child and we went into a massive crash. Um, but that's not what we're structured anymore. We're so red taped with lending. There's no way that people can get loans unless they can afford them. Back in the day when they had stated income, stated assets, loans like that, that's what caused that. But not th this inflation is just something we're going to ride and go through. But I'm, I'm excited about it. It makes me wake up every morning and just get a little bit more aggressive about what I'm doing. And it makes me appreciate the sales side of me. How does this market change if at all your lead generation model in terms of either connecting with realtors or connecting with purchase business in general before a realtor does so that's that's you know something we're working with i'm a big activity generated lead gen and activity retention so i've set something up for my team where i'm actually monitoring their activities versus their loans mm -hmm. i care more about their activities than i do the loans coming in because as you're planting, those seeds will grow, right? Yeah. And right now, we're having such a struggle with people getting under contract. We're working, you know, just as real estate agents are, we're working every single weekend to maybe maybe get one contract, if that, because mm -hmm. people are losing them left and right right now. So what I'm doing is I'm just saying, keep your head to the ground, focus on what you're doing every single day, because as you plant those seeds, those water, you know, they will start to sprout, and they will. And it might take three months, it might take six months, but, it, but I'm going back to the the 2002 days where I had to grind and I didn't have the knowledge or the tools that I do now. And I'm giving them to the girls that, that are, you know, the young Kindle. So um, that's what I'm doing. I'm monitoring it. I'm checking in once, a, once a, you know, twice a month. I'll peek my head in on the activity board. We have this whole platform on monday.com that we've set up mm. and we're t and I just go in there and it gives me the thumbs up, thumbs down. We have a tracker on exactly what we expect and the expectation of the team standards. 
And by the end of the month, I'll go in on the Monday. If the end of the month is a Friday, and I'll be like, hey, you haven't done your coffees or you haven't done your Popeyes or you haven't done your whatever events you need to get to. And I'm, I'm going to be a stickler about it because yeah. that's what through this market where people want what just say, you know what, I'm going to give up or I'm going to go. I'm going to take off at three o'clock because there's nothing to do, or I'm going to twiddle my thumbs and I'm going to, you know, or woe is me. There's a lot of Eeyores going on right yeah. now, right? So that's not me. I, I okay, well, I, I'm entertaining that because some of the largest producers grew in the the you know tightest markets. Yeah, and that's that's my motto is just to continue keep keep your head down, keep conditioning, keep training, and you're going to get out there and you're going to be the best player you possibly can be. I I had like. I'm trying to understand a little bit more about um, rela- relationship between a realtor and a, and a mortgage lender. Mm-hmm. In terms of your lead gen, like for real estate agents, they'll prospect for listings, buyers, but they'll prospect. It's not like they are prospecting mortgage lenders to give them referrals. Would you argue that the, the the game of lead generation for mortgage lending is connecting with realtors rather than connecting with a client before a realtor does? Because I don't hear about a lot of mortgage companies having like an internal sales division that brings in inbound leads through the internet and then scrubs them and then gives them. I'm just curious, like, is there a reason for that? Is it just quite honestly easier to build relationships with realtors rather than the consumer? So that's a great, great question. So I've always been relationship built. Mm -hmm. So I just, and and it's easier for a lender to identify our our community, right? We can go to a real estate office, we know your agent. You can't identify your community knowing if somebody is selling or buying just by going to the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easier for me to do that. So we, you know, back in 2002, I was trained by this guy named Doug Smith and he was talking about faucets of business. So he'd be like agents, financial advisors, divorce attorneys. Okay. You know, so okay. if you imagine faucets going um, and keep all those faucets running, I'm 98% agent referral, right? So that that could shift. Like I need to shift and say, okay, in order to control my business more and select who I want to give the business to, I should open up these other faucets as well, right? So we're looking into, you know, social media managers. We're looking into, you know, having a, a TikTok account for the company, it's not my thing. I'm trying to get into it. I'm really trying to get yeah, into it. You said it. that very like, oh. And there, there is a massive resistance there, but um, not for the for the idea, but just for me. Um, yeah. But so we're 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 trying to do these things. I mean, lead gen with with you know all the leads that you can buy and all that stuff. I'm a warm and fuzzy person. I'm yeah. a real person. I don't like talking to somebody that's just, that's not, that's cold. Yes. Like and and then you know trying to convert them. Half the leads that are coming in are are wrong numbers, or the people are just scrolling at night. You know, it's 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 not something that is my model. Does yeah. it work for people? Absolutely. But, my, but does it work for it, people? It does. I mean, if, if you've got the salesperson that's more of a high S, that's real systematic, and you know really wants to, you know, just call, 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 and get that, they they certainly can. I would drive myself crazy. Yeah. So I just want to go out and make the relationships. And one of my biggest points that I always make when I coach is go out and find people that you like. You like, you love, you trust. Yeah. Because the depths of the relationships that I have with my real estate agents, because they're my friends, right? My competitors hate that. Because <laughs> they, I, I, and it's not that I work on the depth of a relationship for the business, it's organically happening. And you know, I mean, when my parents died, I had my agents would stand up and speak on, on behalf of me. Wow. And it was really, really cool, you know, and it's, 
it's just something, I mean, I've been doing this for 21 years, right? I'm only 45. So half of my life has been spent in here. So of course, these are my friends. So it's it's just a different, you know, motto. And, and, and you know what, sometimes I'll challenge myself. I'll say, you know what, guys, get in here. I'll go call a mega mm-hmm. that I don't know, or I know and knows of me, but works with somebody else. And we'll see how so see how they respond. And then you still have that fear of rejection and you know you you go after it and you're like all right well they didn't call me back well let me try to go after it again mm-hmm. you know but it's just one of those things that yeah we could open up leads and mortgage companies do you know i pay for a zillow lead to, to go through my my branch okay. right but i don't take any of those leads i hand them out as they come so i just round robin them robin them candy, to yeah. my um you know, my loan officers and i think we've gotten six in seven months so it pays for itself for what it's worth one thing that I've noticed, and this isn't just you, but like lender specific, uh, that world to me, I see a lot of spending on the agents, on the realtor, like going to pick up the bill at a happy hour or investing in lunch for what it, whatever. How do you justify those investments? So you got to look at your rate of return. You really do. I mean, because if you don't, you are going to just become a slave to that. And you've, it's, it's very easy to fall into that bucket. Um, you, I hold myself accountable with my business partners. And I look at every time I look at my spending because I'm a P&L owner. I take a look at what, I, what I'm doing. I see what's going out, what's coming in. And if it's not working, I mean, we've got to have those hard, hard conversations. You know, we have to have accountability. So um, it's, it's very easy to get thrown into the let me just go ahead and and pay like I had an agent text me yesterday and say hey listen can we talk so you want to see if you can pay for some of my realtor.com leads or my Zillow leads and it's not an agent I work a lot with and I'm like yeah we can talk but you know we're going to talk about other things too we're going to talk about other avenues of how Mm -hmm. we can build the business we're going to talk about not just focusing on just let's let's just dump and jump we're going to talk about how how we can give add value. Add value is huge for me, and you know you can't just put your hand out and ask for it. You got it's got to reciprocate both ways, and if it's not, you got to. It's like fire fast, right? You got to yes. fire fast. So otherwise, you're just it's money in the wind. Is there uh, an investment that if you look back over the past twenty years that you're like, oh, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have sponsored that bowling outing that had no people <laughs> there. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Yes. What's one what's one specifically that comes to mind? You don't have mind? to say the name or anything um, like just like a like an absolute disaster. I spent $15,000 to have somebody follow me around with a camera for 2 days and it was the worst experience. What? How of much my are we charging life? you for hell? this? How much are we charging you for this? It was yeah. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I missed out on it 15 was, grand. What the it hell? It was the worst experience of my life. Um yeah, we did days of filming and then we got maybe five weeks of, of material and that was it. And, you know, it was promised to do this. But, oh, wait, we need more money. And oh. I just was like, you know what? I'm out. So it was wow. an experience. Yeah. Do you learn? Yes. Um, so, you know, that's what kept- year was this around? I'm just curious. Like, was it trying to go um, on YouTube and stuff it was when like vlogs were really like 19, pumped? 18, 19? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was like, we're going to take you to the next level. We're going to do all this. And then it was just like, okay, here's your videos and we'll see you later. So wow. yeah, that was a big waste of money. Um, but we got some good headshots out of it. That's, all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right. I, I want to run through some scenarios with you, Kendall, if that's okay with sure. you. Um, what's one thing that you can't go on an airplane without? Well, I hate flying. So you hate flying? I hate flying. I have to fly out on Monday, actually. 
Um, I actually had to get hypnosis for flying because I was such a bad flyer. So if wait, I wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. Let's not just glaze over yeah, that one. What, yeah. what? What do you mean hypnosis for flying? So I was in a really, really bad storm um, on my honeymoon, and it was oh. so bad that we got to Puerto Rico, and I was begging my mom to put me on a boat to get home because I didn't want to get back on the plane. So wow. she gave the credit card to my husband and over the phone and got me completely wasted at the bar so that I could get on a first class flight oh back home. Gosh. So I didn't fly for five years after that. Wow. And then I made my top producer trip the first time I made it. We went down to Florida. And the storms were so bad when we were going to the airport that the that the palm trees were sideways. I was like, I'm not getting on that plane. And they're like, Oh yeah, you are. I'm like, No, I'm not. So the owner of the company at the time was like, Kendall, just come over here. We'll play cards. I'll you know I'll pay for your drinks. And I was like, I'm not getting on the plane. So as I watched my entire company get on the plane, we stayed in Naples, Florida. And my husband looked at me and goes, I don't want you to talk to me for the next five hours. And we got a Nissan Sentra and started driving up 95 in the worst winds ever. But I heard it was the worst flight. So I made the best decision of it. <laughs> so yeah, so I had hypnosis because I, I, I've been making award trips and I wasn't going on them. And I got, you know, I, it started to handicap me a little bit. So I did some hypnosis through audio and I had to listen to it for, for you know, probably months at a time. Wow. And then I have to fly with it. And now I fly without it. I just, it's just a breathing technique that I have to do. But um, I think it's a control thing. Like if I could fly the plane, I think it would be fine. But, <laughs> Yo, <laughs> but I can't. That's so true. <laughs> have you ever thought about driving? And one thing I think would probably be great for you is like the automated Tesla where you're just like set it on drive you're just going down 95 and you're just getting all your work done. Yeah. Does that freak you out? Yeah. You're not so, controlling the car? so, uh, <laughs> our, uh, business development guy, he's got a Tesla. And one day he did that. And I, I about grabbed the wheel. From him. <laughs> oh my like, you, gotta, you gotta stop. You gotta put those hands on there now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So something that I can't take what I, what I can fly, what I can't fly without would be my AirPods, my AirPods, mm. because I have to have them in. I have to be able to have my, my, um, I have a big old iPad. It's the business one. And I just sit there and I jam out on that. And then I listen to like Tupac and 50 Cent and, <laughs> and stuff while we're flying. So I get oh, all yeah. jacked up. So how did you get introduced to hypnosis? Like, um, I just, I, I'm not a big medicine taker. Uh -huh. Um, so I just wanted to kind of find something natural to get into. So I found through research, I found this guy in Philadelphia. So, um, Philly. I connected with him and, uh, we chatted for about an hour and a half and then he gave me my auto my audio and now I'm flying. I'm going to the Cayman Islands on Monday. There's a lot. That's congratulations. Thank that's you. cool. Thank you. Um, does a lot of that have to do with like the subconscious mind? Yeah. So the, the first part's meditation. Second part's putting you through a turbulent flight and what you sh should do and what it means. And then one cool time I was actually on a flight and a pilot was next to me and he could tell I was nervous. So he was telling me what the engine was doing and what the sounds were and everything that was happening. And wow. it was super chill for me because I was able to, to really kind of know what was going on. So that identifies the control factor for me. That's super so, cool. Yeah. Um, do you see, and this is, uh, this is completely up for discussion. I don't know if there's a right answer or wrong answer. I'm just very curious to hear your perspective on this. Is there going to be a time in the next maybe five, 10 years where people, and if this doesn't make sense, just let me know that it doesn't make sense because I don't know about the home sure. loan process, sure. I guess. Will there be a time that you could get pre-qualified for a home for having cryptocurrency like Ethereum or, or like some type of like crypto? Like, could you actually get qualified for a home because you own X amount of crypto? Or are you still going to have to get it into real cash? Like, could you ever see 
a day in the in the future where people are getting pre-qualified for loans with not just the U.S. currency. And not just crypto, but like blockchain in general being in that process, mm-hmm. right? That's, I yeah. mean, that's kind of what you're going going with. Well, too. I mean, anything's possible, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would say as long as it's, you can show it as, because assets are one thing. That's one thing that a lot of people get confused. They're like, oh, well, this guy's got a million dollars in the bank. How can he not qualify for $250,000 loan? It's not the assets. We're not asset-based, um, you okay. know, with agencies. So Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, HUD, and Jenny, they make us have income to qualify. You take your debt to your income. So okay. if it's not income generating, like you don't have a, an allotment that is being paid to you that you then report as income, then you can't use it as income to qualify. So if you have, like, again, back to that million-dollar mm-hmm. person, they would have to actually have, you know, a dividend being paid into their account every single month that shows, let's say it's 5000 or $6,000. Yeah. And it has to show repetitiveness and it also has to show a continuance of at least 36 months after you purchase. Okay, so I have another question about that then. Mm-hmm. Let's say I bought something and I sold it for a million dollars. Now I have a million dollars in cryptocurrency as my asset. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. However, if I was to start a project that I was receiving residuals on on a daily basis and there was some type of income that the business was making on a, on a regular basis because of that project that I have, you could at one point maybe make an argument that that is income and that you can get qualified with that income. As long as we see the consistency and typically that is a two year history of that. Okay. So it's two because of it's not, um, cause it's out of the ordinary, okay, right? You've yeah. got to show, okay, I'm baselining this. This is how much I have in here. This is how much I'm going to have afterwards. I'm going to give you this, this allotment every single month that I'm receiving. And it also has to be reported as income to the IRS. Yeah. So, um, Absolutely. That's one of the things, the biggest questions we have, you know, well, I get this money or I have a, you know, a roommate coming in and I'm going to have that money. Well, if it's not money that the IRS sees, we can't, we can't use it. And, you know, back in 2008, when the crash happened, we could use it. So mm. that's where the red tape came in for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I was just curious to hear your um, opinion. What, on that. One scenario I have is, um, and, and then like kind of two parts. One, it's not really a scenario, I guess, it's just a question. Why would you lending or realtor? If you could start over, do it again. Like, why not choose be a realtor? Well, um, I'm going to throw my husband under the bus for a second. He was a realtor for a hot minute, and he sucked at it. He was really (laughs) bad at it. And I watched him do it, and he got super excited when he'd go under contract with two people, and then he would forget to do the wheel, you know, of origination over here. And, and I can see where it can become, you know, if you don't have systems in place and, and, and getting a couple things under contract, you are so inundated with that, that I don't, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they keep the wheels spinning on both sides of the fence. Now, being a lender has its challenges too, right? Yeah. So we're doing three, four, 17 pre-approvals a weekend, and they happen to be for the same house. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks because wow. <laughs> because you can't a say hey listen I just did a pre-approval for another guy and tell him that or don't write on this because my pre-approval I just did offered more um, so we're doing you know three four times the amount of work for the same property and the probability of everybody getting the property is zero and the probability of one person getting it's probably five so <sighs> so the answer to the question is it's right now it's very challenging on both sides 
Um, the demand is relentless. It's it's artificially inflated because you know people are terrified, so they want to know something right away. And what I'm finding now, which is super important to point out, is that people that, that got their pre-approvals, you know, a month ago, two months ago, are out there looking. Need to call their aid, their lender and get pre-qualified again because mm. the rates have spiked so much that the payments are changing two to three hundred dollars a month, yeah. and it could box them out or it could put their affordability straight down the tube. So. I don't know if that answers your question, but if I were to choose today, um, I would not want, I'd want to be right where I am. Um, I enjoy problem solving. I enjoy the math of it. Uh, my husband would be like, you never ever would say math in your <laughs> life. But, um, and I enjoy the relationship part of it and having the direct um, community to go after. What about like if you had to become either a life insurance rep or a realtor, what, what would you pick? I'd be a realtor. Cool. Yeah. I wouldn't sell life insurance ever. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you. I just wanted to envision ever. you becoming this realtor because I know you would destroy the market. You would, it would be like on CNN. Tomorrow. I would want to. I'd want to like you know the selling Annapolis show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That'd be funny. My shoe game's pretty strong. Let me see the shoes. Well, I got Vans on today. Oh, oh, the slip-ons. No, yeah. those are fire. Yeah, those are very cool. Um, cool. Let's go through truth or trends. Uh, there's a couple uh, things that I just wanted to ask you. Is this a truth or is it a trend? Okay. Uh, first up, the Washington Capitals, they're in the playoffs right now <laughs> against the Panthers. Are. I don't know what the – I think they were up one nothing. I don't know if they still are. I think they played a night. They played a night. They won, um, they won on Tuesday night, and then they play Saturday. Come home on Saturday at 1 o'clock, and I'm going. You're going? Yeah. Is this franchise a truth? Or is it a trend? Like, are they going to be gone? Or is this truly a dynasty, a NHL dynasty? Have you followed them ever? Never. Okay. Definitely. So, I like the Flyers because I, I'm from Philly. Well, so like, well at least whatever. you're not a Penn fan. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Caps fan. I don't know. Do you know that about me? A little bit. Okay. So I've been watching. I've been going to hockey games since I was seven. Like, I was wow. banging on the ice with Ron Huxtall when Ron Huxtall was a goalie for the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of that. You probably weren't even born yet. Um, <laughs> but my point is, is that I, I'm a huge Caps fan. I'm not a big baseball fan. I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm not, I mean, I'm a football fan, but to, you know, to a level. But hockey's my thing. And the Caps have made it. They'll get into the playoffs and they'll lose second round all the time. Uh, they got to the, the Stanley Cup. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but it was the first time they made it to the Stanley Cup ever. And I was so excited. I stayed up until 2 o'clock in the morning. I went to Piney Orchard, and I welcomed them into the into the arena to get prepared for the Stanley Cup. They got swept, and they didn't win one single game. Oh. And then when they did win the Stanley Cup um, most recently, I went and took the day off. I, we spent the night in D.C., took the kids out of school, and we That's watched cool. the parade, and it was phenomenal. But is it a trend? And look history repeats itself they're mm -hmm. not going to make it that far because you know i was watching the bruins play last night mm -hmm. and they were playing carolina and we don't stand a chance against either one of them carolina's team is strong so i'm hoping the bruins sweep them but we'll see why do you like hockey so much i like the aggressive nature of the uh, i love the fights i i love all of the grit about it it's kind of like lacrosse but you just throw the ball down on the ice yeah um, it's kind of my thing so if i could play guys lacrosse for a hot minute i would yeah, I, I my my wife played DD two lacrosse, and I wish it was as aggressive as men's. And so, like, so does everyone on the field. Every parent is like, "Why are we blowing whistles?" Like, still, like senior year, watched every single game. Dads are like, "What? Why? Why? Why are we blowing whistles and stopping the game?" It just makes sense to me. Well, the college game's gotten a lot more aggressive, which is great. Um, I was a goalie, so um, because I couldn't stand being out on the field with all the whistles. Yeah. So. 
yeah, it was it was a great time for me. What about Uber? Do you Uber? think that yeah? Do you think that's going to be around like in the next couple of years, like even more? Or I don't see why not. I mean, it seems to be that th- that's a trend right now, but I think it will continue to last. I mean, so you think it's a truth? Yeah, I mean, truth. Yeah, I think it's a truth, and and that's a good. If I may add a little segue right now, mm-hmm. I lost a friend um, seven years ago today to a drunk mm-hmm. driver. No way. Um, we 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 went to work and we left work together, and an accident happened on um, College Parkway, wow. and uh, and I woke up to a text that he was gone. Um, so it, it's super important to keep Uber as the truth, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. Um, what about refinancing your home? When's the next boom of that gonna be, you think? Well, if you had a guess. It's funny that you bring that up because I think it's serendipity that you, because this is the Chuck Nosick way. He's the, my friend who passed away. Uh, he would say, I love I love when rates hike up. And I'm like, why? Because he's like, because it's going to bring a refi boom later. Mm. And I've been telling all of my my team that. I'm like, guys, just in, embrace this. Be in the moment. This is where it is. And then you're going to be the savior when the rates go back down. It's going to be a while. Uh, you know, we're trying to slow down the inflation. And the inflation's continuing to rise, um, even though the rates are going up. So, because it's just demand right now. So, until that evens itself out, I probably don't think for another five years we're going to see it. But it, it'll be, again, I'm sure. But not anytime soon. If you had to put a year on it? If you had 25, to. maybe? 26? Oh, really? That soon? Yeah. I know I said five, but I think that's where we'll start to see start of the, it's the, the downside of Oh, I of thought it. you were saying 20, like 25 years. No, no, no. no. Two, 2025, 2025, 26. Yeah. Ocean City, Maryland. Is that a great place? <laughs> or is that just like, you know, forget about it. Stop going there. So I love it. I love the trash of Ocean City. I like to watch people all the time. I've been, you know, I grew up very, very poor. So I, I can only afford a day trip with peanut butter and jelly and, you know, a bag of chips that got sandy all day. And my mom would make us sit there for seven, eight hours on the beach. So mm-hmm. that was my thing. So it's still my thing. Like, I like to go to the boardwalk. I like to see all the, you know, there's a lot of people from Philly that come down, a lot of people from yeah. Pennsylvania. Um, I love that, you know, and I've actually, I have a condo there and I never frequent there because I'm so busy, but I just, it's just, it reminds me of being a child and, and I like to share that with my, my kids. And, you know, of course, Bethany with the beach house would be, you know, quieter and, or going down to Florida and having something in the water, you'd pay the same amount yeah. of money. However, I just like I just like the hustle and bustle. I, you know, we hit the same places every time. It's like secrets, the boardwalk. You know, we're we're constantly going to every surf shop because my fourteen year old daughter is spot on a little surfer girl. So, really? Yeah. So that's she what we surfs? do. Yeah. She, wow. Well, she's she's not a big surfer. She's a wannabe surfer, Still, but it's her thing. I'm a wannabe surfer. That's why I skimboard. <laughs> that's why I stay on the on the on the uh, coast or whatever. I think Ocean City, Maryland is a truth. Like I grew up in Jersey where we were going to Ocean City, New Jersey all the time. Mm-hmm. And we have Wildwood, which is I've kind of not exactly like Ocean City, Maryland, but yeah. I like Ocean City, Maryland. I, I like the beach town vibe, like mm-hmm. boardwalk, like the smell of everything. And some people are just not about it. I was curious. Yeah. I, I mean, I like I, I, our condos on the northern side of, uh, you know, we're up, up by Jamestown, up 120th area. Hmm. But yeah. We like to dip our head down past the 40s and come back up. <laughs> What's your favorite thing to do on the beach? Um, I don't know how to relax, so I just play. Play lacrosse with my daughter. You know, we, we you know, do a lot of walks, morning walks. We take the dogs to the, to the beach. I like watching the dogs, you know, not know what's going on with the waves and try to eat all the sand and sneeze for 15 minutes. But 
can you talk can you talk to us a little bit about coaching inside of lacrosse because i feel like we didn't touch on that at all yeah so i've been doing it simultaneously as long as i've been a loan officer um i coached at the college level for 10 years and then i coached at severn school for one year um, and then I picked up doing a travel team. So I've had, the, we call them by their grad years. So I did the graduation year of 12, 15, 19, and now I have the 26s. And it's really cool because my 12s are now married and having kids and they're still reaching out to me and I made an impact in their lives. And my 19s were a very strong team. There's 17 high level division one lacrosse players that went mm. to like Maryland, Hopkins, Vanderbilt, Penn State, uh, Northwestern. So it's really cool because they're in their junior year right now, and I'm able to watch them and seeing them on TV. One girl just got the Sportsmanship Award for Penn State, uh, wow. Rachel Spil- Spilker, and I'm so proud of her because her her sister actually coaches with me right now on travel. No way. Um, but it's just something that I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed just bringing these young ladies up and then watching them just you know really excel. And some of them are owning their own businesses and having children, and it's really really cool to see. That's so, awesome. Yeah. What got you into that, like the coaching side of lacrosse though? Was it originally University of Maryland? Do you want the honest answer? Yeah. I didn't want to get out of college. Wow. So um, I was offered the opportunity to be the head coach of the club team. And I was like, yep, take it. I'll do it. So I was a loan officer at the company and I was crying myself to sleep with and I was coaching. So I was having more fun with the coaching. So I'd go to Duke and Virginia Tech and JMU every weekend and yeah, wow. hang out with the girls and and you know, and then as as I the age started to gap itself, beca- you know, that's when it become more serious. But I had a really good time. That's awesome. Are you still yeah. connected to the the team there? No, I mean, no, where I'm connected to pieces parts. They're all yeah. throughout the country. The really cool thing on when I decided to retire um, in 2010 at Maryland because my business was starting to ramp mm-hmm. up. Um, they did a, a, a surprise party for me at Cornerstone and they rented out the entire bar upstairs. And it was really cool because all 10 years, so an entire decade of girls came in oh, and flew wow. in for that. So nice. yeah, it was really neat. So Kendall, uh, we, we talked a lot about relationships obviously and, and how you know, you're know you so great with them, especially inside of the real estate community. I mean, this podcast happening right now is an example of that. Literally, you, know, you are in great relationships with John, the Newman group, Shaq, obviously Mm -hmm. his team, our team, Jeff. Why do you think you connected with Shaq and John and us so well? Just out of curiosity. Because you guys are real, you're real people, Um, you know? And and again, I go after people that are real and that I would make relationships with. It organically developed, you know? Um, It's how it is with the Shaker team too, same thing. I mean, but John's been super chill and cool and very forthcoming. Um, Shaq, when I first met him, I was just like, man, this guy is, you know, he's the real deal. When did you just, when did you meet Shaq? Because oh, you go to like Shaq's like family can, Yeah, like yeah, yeah. And yeah I mean, like Tiff that. and I and Shaq will go out to dinner and, you know, I'm 100% supportive of, of their whole everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it was probably four or five years ago, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really pinpoint that. Um, but yeah. But we're, earlier on his realtor journey, you know, compared to where he is now obviously like you know what do you see even in Shaq like obviously with his award now like how how is how is like do you get to see growth inside of agents from so proud of him I'm so proud of him I do you know what I did when he won that did he tell you Uh -uh. so I put that 
corny sign yard thing in his yard. No way. Yeah, yeah. So when he got home from work, I was like, Tiff, is he home yet? And she's like, No, he's he's delayed again. I'm like, He needs to get home before the sun goes down. He has to see how ridiculous this is. And it said thirty under thirty for for Nar in his. No and he, way. And then the next day, he's like, Love you, babe. But when are they picking this up? Because we share <laughs> we share a yard. <laughs> like, they're coming to get it. So I have seen tremendous growth. I've seen a tremendous confidence. I see a leader building in him, which is super, super cool. I remember going to breakfast with him um, a couple years ago at the breakfast shop, and John came in and then left, and then him and I got to have some one-on-one time, and I really didn't know him, but I got to just kind of figure out who he is and what his goals are and his tenacity to to want to – he doesn't want to fail, and and you can see it all over his face, Mm -hmm. and that's me. That's my person. So, you know, we connect with the right people, and, you know, some people – you know, I, I love all these agents in here and mm-hmm. and we can connect or we don't connect and we're still friendly and, and we if I can add value in, in a way, great. But that's that's like extra. It's the friendship that means a lot to me more than anything. Is there any agents or teams that you would suggest us connecting with? Like, is there any other people inside of this industry that are just like absolutely crushing it? And like, you know, maybe people that we might have not have thought to connect with just off the top of the head? Any, I mean, I don't general. see like I mean, big big teams. I think that you know everybody has their own little chemistry, and you just kind of have to take a little token from it and just kind of resonate with that. I'm mm-hmm. not in building mode, so I haven't been going out to see new teams lately. Mm-hmm. That's where my team is doing. I'm in concentrated mode, so mm-hmm. I want to become less diluted. So I got I got business from 132 agents last year. Where I'm going to scale down my business is to focus on your team, focus on the shaker team, focus on so that I can be sharp and I can be available. And and so to answer your question, yeah, I'm sure I could surface a couple. You know, you you wind me up, you put me out there, I'll find one for you. But I haven't been out on the streets really looking for for. But there are some strong strong players that I'm I'm seeing get some serious momentum in this down market, and it's worth paying attention to. I stalk at night, you know, I, so Facebook's my thing because that's my age, right? Mm-hmm. But I stalk it. I see who's doing what. It's it's free information. I don't know why anybody wouldn't be doing that, you know, to see who's closing what and where they're closing it and how many deals they're doing. It's yeah, You can find that out in a click of a button. It really seems like all of real estate lives on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my kids make fun of me because I'm on Facebook, but that's where I am. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's where the connectors are, and I think that I've gotten some growth through it. I probably get about 15 to 20 deals off of Facebook really? a year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's funny, because Lindsay on my team, she'll be like, well, where's this one come from? I'm like, I don't know. Where'd this one come from? I don't know. You know, and then wow. we just have to put, oh, it came off of Facebook. But it's, it, you know, I had one last night that came through, and I was able to give back, give it back to an agent, you know. That's phenomenal. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Uh, Jeff, any last questions for you? No, I just want to say thank you for coming on. This was awesome. Well, I'm super excited that you guys had me. I, you know, doing this is so fun, and I really enjoyed it. And, and I love what you guys are doing. And keep take it to the moon because you're going there. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. It won't be the last episode. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll come anytime. And if you want me to bring any of my, my, my uh, girls the with Kendall. it. Yeah, the other Kendall. She, <laughs> she'll bring the youth to the to the conversation. No, you're so youthful. <laughs> you're talking about everything on yeah, here. Yeah, but My gosh. no, I, I do appreciate it. You guys are super chill. Thank you. No problem. Well, thank you guys for watching. Um, another great episode. 
Make sure that you guys are watching or listening on Spotify. The new episodes will be coming out. Apple, there. Spotify, Stitcher, MySpace. Everything. Tumblr, wherever you want to watch. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for watching. <laughs> <laughs>